Welcome to another episode of Every Ten Day, where a dad, that's me, plays D&D with his kids. Yellow! That's us. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is us. Mm-hmm. Um, before we commence today's shenanigans and adventure, uh, a few little shout-outs. Firstly, to our man DJ at Sketch Goblin, yes. who did all the art, all the cover art for our podcast, and a lot of the when we post episodes on Instagram, you'll see we use his art, his character illustrations, which are amazing. We love him. Yes. Check out sketchgoblin.co.nz because he's based down in New Zealand. He's amazing. We love him. For the whole campaign, he has done the the art. Uh, and uh, yeah, have I said we love him? We love him. Um, next up, do we want to talk about the spell books? Yes, we yes. Show them to your cameras. Oh, this is weird. Um, nice and slowly, move nice and slowly with your hands. These are from Guyland Design. These are the sketchbooks we've been, not the sketchbooks, the spell books we've been using um, for, for a while now. I think for at least two years, right? Yeah. So if you've got the Gale Force 9 cards, you know, the character cards, uh, uh, excuse me, the spell cards, these fit really great in these spell books. We don't get paid for recommending Garland Designs spell books. We just love them. We just love them. We just freaking love them. It's that simple. So um, what we're going to do is recommend that you check them out, Garland Design. Uh, And then finally, uh, who else do we love? There's one more person that we usually DJ. need to talk about the Discord, Discord server. No, talk, you've got your camera now. So, we've got a Discord server. So, basically, what that is, is it's a place, it's like this chat, and you can come and you can talk to us. You can get notified when, we, when we're streaming, you're notified about announcements that we have, and you can just talk directly to us and all the other people there. I think we've got like um, quite a few, quite a few people know. there now. Um, so come to it with us. It's it's free. Uh, all you need to, all you need to do is click the link in the description of the video when this goes um, when the live e- ends or in the comments when the live ends. Um, we also have the link in the podcast description, right? The bio, yeah. 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 And visit us on Instagram every ten day, yep. um, and we've got the the link in our bio there as well. Yeah. Come hang out, come talk to us. We'll probably create a short URL so you can find the Discord easier at yeah. some point. So it'll be like every10day.com forward slash Discord or something like that. Uh, we haven't got that yet. We will. We will be sorting our, sorting our lives out a little bit. <laughs> so, um, yeah, after the game, we will be going on there and chatting about the game. Let us know what you think. What do we do well? What do we screw up? What rules did we get wrong? Which rules did we get right but that we hate? Uh, <laughs> come talk to us. We love knowing what you think about it. Um, yeah, crazy stuff. Crazy. Um, just another very quick announcement that, like, uh, I did a, a video on YouTube the other day just to let you know that we are kind of up leveling gradually rather than doing a big one all at once. We're doing some very gradual up leveling of things like our stream. So, this hopefully, we hope that you like the look of this better than we have done previous streams where we've been having cameras in the wrong places and stuff like that. Um, with a view to campaign two is coming already. Yes. I know it's probably not the dumb thing to start talking about campaign two until campaign one is over, but it is coming. It's that simple. We've probably got about another. I mean, we're looking to wrap this up or start to wrap this up after about three years, and that's coming soon. So coming in January, that'll be three years. So we're guesstimating that somewhere around January, February, 
campaign one will be wrapping up campaign two will be hot on its heels uh, and we just want to get ready for it so that we can bring it to you from episode one you know, episode zero in fact onwards um, so look out for that please leave your comments in the chat box as we go through this fortunately we're not huge we're not a massive D&D channel with tens and tens of thousands of followers or anything like that so if you leave a comment we can say hi we can we can reply to it if you've got questions stuff like that we love being small at the moment at least and we have no plans to do anything but stay that way for the time being and uh, whether you're a, a, a young adventurer getting into this game or you're a parent like me looking to do something a little bit more than just play video games with your kids or hang around and watch films which can be fun but certainly this game has brought us all closer just as it did me and my brother when i was 10 so we hope it does the same for you all right that's said done let's get into where we last left off in the adventure arriving through an arcane gate into the easternmost region of the continent of Phorizon, a region known as Kalatur. Danaya, Elowin, and Kilgar, you stepped forward into a humid, richly exotic landscape. Bamboo forests and magnificent mountain ranges and sunsets. This land immediately brought with it a colour and a vibrancy, even in the people that you immediately interacted with. And a guide took you through the bamboo forest to the entrance to the very base of the Ninja Mountain, the mountain of the monks dedicated to the way of shadows and the way of the tiger. And you find yourselves now at the base of this lone mountain, jutting out on a peninsula far into this great ocean, this great inland sea. And a fog has surrounded you as you walk closer and closer to the base of the mountain, a single peak amongst bamboo forests and lush vegetation. And after several hours walk, you encountered a great bronze gate, several gates in fact, but the second being a great bronze gate. Try saying that three times, <laughs> a great bronze gate. And on walking underneath the gate, through the gate, this first passageway, this first um, point, if you like, this first flag post on the way up the mountain, um, a funny feeling took over you both. You felt yourself transported, not just in intellect and emotion, but in your very essence of your being. And for just a moment, like when you wake from a dream and try desperately to cling on to the memory of that dream, only for it to fade quickly, faster the more you try and cling on to it, your sense of identity escaped you and you found yourself transferred at the last moment of recognition into each other's bodies and consciousness. Swapped, if you like. And just at the moment where you're aware of it, it was gone. And you stand completely normal and aware. But in a flashing moment, almost like a download, 
like a cascade, an overwhelming cascade, like standing at the base of an enormous waterfall. Memories upon memories bombard into your consciousness of the other. And so, Danaea, will you please explain to Elowin just some of the moments, some of the things that he might have seen in those early days because your consciousness, Elowin, finds itself on a ship and you are young and you are running and you are aware of yourself falling and tripping onto the timber of this wooden deck as a salty sea spray cascades across your face. And after that, multiple images start to come and maybe you could take a few moments, Danaea, to explain to Elowin some of what he sees, just some of those key moments he sees of what it was to be Elowin before he became an adventurer. You see, like, fishing, and you catch a... I, uh, you, wait, you catch a, like, a fish, and you can see you being at your tower, and... Don't wait. Uh, you can. You're at your tower, and um, your parents have just dropped you off um, in Kerr City, and you're going back to Lermith Tower on a carriage. And you can see you sneaking a peek through the door and seeing what Lermir is researching before running back down the stairs to your quarters. That's just, um, yeah, um. And it's books upon books upon study. What was Lermir like as a master? Was he strict and he cruel? Was, or he was, was he... strict, but uh, he definitely didn't. He 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 was fine with. It was he was like um, a father figure to you. He was strict, but he was he was kind. At some points. You are guided, you see yourself guided by a warm but firm hand in your studies. Um, you find yourself researching almost like these formulas for how to extract and evoke out of thin air these arcane powers. And you recall when these formulas went from gobbledygook on a page to suddenly making sense. Like the first time as a child that you read a word for the very first time and you understand a word on a page, not just what it says, but what it means. And you recall those moments of clarity as arcane study begins to make sense to you. Are there any other details you want to add to that? Uh, just, no, uh, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Likewise. As this cascade of memories comes of study upon endless study of warmth, compassion, being guided by a wise and discerning master. Oh, there would be momentary visits that break up these long periods of study, visits from your parents who come and embrace you and you, how you would look forward to these times that they would take you out in the streets of Curtin, sometimes for several days at a time, 
as they stayed in town to trade. You might even go to stay with them at the tavern now and then. But sometimes those promised visits would, wouldn't come. And so in spite of all the warmth and compassion you had around you, recalling conversations with your parents as you got older about how a life on the sea was no, was no life for you and that you were made for greater things and that your keen mind you recall moments with your mother private moments with your mother from whom you get the cascading white hair looking at you with sharp brilliant eyes saying that you were touched by the far realm son you're meant for more than trading on boats moments like that that occur to you again one after the other the life of a trader is not a regular life and so whilst you would look forward to their visits you could never depend on those visits and so you also as well as having this welcoming warmth and being held in your in the living environments that you're in there were long periods of loneliness a, a young boy and an older man well there's only so far the conversation can go because your study took up so much of your day, the loneliness meant that you, and the, the, the demands of the study meant that you missed out on much of the playtime that many other children had together, making friends and forming friendships. And so you started to, you get memories of starting to be teased by some of the other kids, as you didn't quite understand play and social interaction the same way other children did. So when you did go out and start to play, oftentimes you would say mean things without meaning to, or you would make jokes that others wouldn't understand. And so as a result of that, you buried yourself back in study. And perhaps it was some of that feeling of loneliness or maybe even anger that the other children didn't understand you, that you poured into the study of magic instead. It's around then also you get flashes of memories of seeing the future. They start very rarely to begin with, maybe only a couple of times every year. But you get the distinct memory of the first time waking from a dream and whilst you're still in that middling state, that liminal place between sleep and wakefulness, you get a flash, a flash of your master stubbing his toe and hopping around and cursing you and when you laugh at him he throws a throws a scroll case at you and you go oh it must just be a dream and you get a full flash of leaving the tower going downstairs only for that very thing you just saw to happen and it was something you tried to explain to your master but he didn't quite understand you after that, you found that kind of thing happening more and more to the point where you could start to make different decisions based on that vision. Again, maybe only a couple of times a year. Maybe it would be going to the market in Old Town and sneaking an apple off a cart because you had a flash just moments before of the apple keeper looking away briefly and you saw yourself grabbing it. And you're like, did I just do that? And then you saw him look away 
and you take the apple and get away with it. <laughs> all of these memories, all of this study, you recall the first day that a cantrip comes to you easily, effortlessly. Outside in the courtyard of the tower, summoning flames to your hands. And you remember Lermir nodding in more than just the regular approval, but actually seeing a kind of an enhanced fire coming from you and a certain aptitude for, for fire that impressed him. And you remember the feeling of what it felt like to get that approval. You never had it from friends. You never got into competitions with friends about over strength or dexterity or anything like that, or even wit and cunning. But to have that approval from your master only drove you on harder in your studies. All of these memories come cascading. Cascading in. Until one day, older now, able to perform the arcane strenuousnesses, the strenuousness of the, the arcane symbols necessary for a first level magic, your master calls you into his study. And he says, I need troll blood, Elwin. Troll blood. We need it for components. Plus, bring me back whatever else you can find. But go, get on, get out of here. Come on, <laughs> off you go. Take this staff. It's served me very well. It'll light up at my at your command. The word is Shirak. And you will have light, my boy. Now, take the staff. Speak to Delhi. Get some rations and bugger off. I don't want to see you before ten days out, my boy. But as, as you leave... Slightly confused of this sudden tearing away from your studies, he goes, wait, 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 wait. You turn, you look back at him. He says, be careful, Elwin. Be careful out there. You shut the door. Unused to such open displays of concern from your master on anything other than study. You leave the tower. And that's where the cascade of memories ends for you. Elwyn Lancaster. Elwyn Ashdai. Separated from his travelling parents and a long way from his real homeland. You go out into the world. The bloody side looks like a good stop off first. In the last moments, Denea, before you become fully aware of yourself, you get a cascade similarly of emotions, memories, moments. They start with your small, tiny white feet running through tall, luscious grass. And ahead of you is a beautiful, timbered, new manor house, freshly built from, you don't know, your parents seem to always be working on something or other, usually in private, in that room that you're not allowed in the, in the mansion, 
but it seems your family has just come into some money and the new mansion, oh man, is it fun. And you chase the blonde hair ahead of you of a slightly older sister. Maybe she's five years old now, six years old. You can't be more than about, what would Denea be if eight was five or six? About four. Yeah. Maybe you could take a few moments, Elowin, to explain and describe to Denea maybe some of the cascade of emotions and memories that, that come to her. Okay. So, you remember parents? They were away a lot, but they always found time to play with you and your older sister, whom you adored. You and her were inseparable. You do almost everything together. And you remember trips to the lakeside and skimming stones with your family. <coughs> um, how far am I going? Similarly as to what I did with okay. Just whatever comes to mind. Um, and it was peaceful for a long time until it wasn't very peaceful anymore. And you remember fire and you don't remember too much but you remember fire and you remember uh, your uncle. May I pick up that? Yes. The fire is a more a set of feelings than a than a visual memory. Oh you remember the screams some of the housekeepers and the desperate work that many of the people that kept house did to try and bring the fire under control. But to no avail. You remember going to the window, your small white hands banging against the, the panes of glass, thin little panes with lead splitting them up into multiple squares and you remember particularly your hand going through and knocking out one of the panes of glass so that the rush of heat and the cold night air met in a weird kind of woof and your hand went through you recall cutting yourself on a shard of the remaining glass and blood dripping down onto the onto the window you remember the smoke you remember choking back tears that could barely come because of the suffocating smoke. But you also remember looking out into the darkness beyond the house. And perhaps it was because that night the flames lit the surrounding grassland and forest better. But you notice and you remember five hunched figures five hunched figures, 50, 60, maybe 70 feet, who knows, at this age you couldn't recall. But at the very edge of the forest that led to the clearing upon which this new house had been built, you remember noticing, lit by the fire, menacing 
horrific. Five large hunched figures. Massive, literal hunched backs coming into long, vulture-like necks, wicked bird-like faces. Robes hanging off their body in layer after layer, each one of them holding a cruelly twisting staff and looking up with almost demonic flickering eyes at the house burns. And stepping back from the window in fear, you gasp and choke, come back to the window to scream through again, only for those figures to have gone. You recall darkness and heat and being lifted by strong arms to safety. You remember screaming over and over, over and over, Aitea, 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 until you scream so much you'd pass out, only to come around, woken, brought back to consciousness by your own sobs. Day after day, you would scream and cry for your sister. Then you remember running, running through forests, running through bracken, thorns cutting your flesh as you were pulled beyond the boundaries of your own muscles to keep up, till finally you were carried again by strong arms, resting at the side of the road at night, shivering under blankets, not from the cold, but from the trauma. You're not sure how much time passes, but you get flashes of a small welcoming woodland village. Still confusion and loneliness. Where is your sister? You don't know. You get a flash of two kindly faces. The faces of Mero and Freth. The face of Mero wrinkling in a kind, comforting smile. And the memory of, oh my dear, my poor dear. And then the many nights thereafter of sobbing yourself to sleep in the arms of this wonderfully caring stranger who nurses you, who feeds you, who clothes you and washes you and keeps you safe. And eventually, very slowly, but eventually, you begin to find some solace in this new life. Something about the past begins to fade off into the distance, fade way off into the distance, until the events of the fire no longer occupy your mind. What occupies your mind is fighting with the local children of this, this small village, woodland village, winning almost every fight. 
you find yourself you find yourself angry a lot of the time such that your adoptive parents often spend their evenings chastising you not punishing you but chastising you for your anger but nevertheless it's something almost like a companion of yours that you cannot escape and you use it mainly in fights and pranks with the other kids of this woodland village proving that you're stronger than them and in most cases you are and in the cases where you're not stronger than them your anger and your rage only fuel you to beat them by whatever means necessary there's a brief memory of sitting on your bed with Mero and Freth and several soldiers dressed in white their shining armour their shining armour beguiling your sensibilities and entrancing you their strong swords and their thick metal armour to you looks powerful it looks safe and it's safe that you want to be and powerful that you want to be they look at you firmly but not without a degree of kindness and you get memories of a wagon wide ride north into a large castle a huge keep set upon a steep hill clustered with buildings and then you get cascades of memories training being laughed at by the other mostly male soldiers laughed at picked on and teased and what follows is a cascade of memories of year after year being knocked down beaten not by any punitive measures not beaten by by punishment but beaten in combat prowess memories of being given your first longsword something that you could barely lift hitting a straw-filled dummy making barely a mark being laughed at again and again by the soldiers the multitude of soldiers that call the keep their home and their outpost their station you recall the kind eyes of the lord of the keep as he sits you down in a cold but bounteous banquet hall eating your first roast pheasant having a full plate of vegetables and course after course of exquisite food and you recall his kindly manner as he takes you down to the bowels of the keep and shows you a statue a great platinum statue of a dragon and speaks to you of anger and of justice and you get flashes of conversation maybe the first person who understands that your anger isn't wrong but that it can be channeled that you can use your anger to make things right and as he asks you if this is something you'd like to do you get a flash of your young head nodding in agreement what follows is a cascade of memories of having 
<coughs> lesson after lesson with the Lord and the priests of the keep about the nature of justice and how anger never comes from nowhere. Anger comes from wrongdoing and wrongdoing can be made right, whether by word, deed or sword. And this you like, this sits well with you. It sits really well with you. And you begin to use the platinum statue of this mighty dragon, almost as your, your journal. You will come down to the statue and talk with the statue. Memories of sitting, legs swinging, just talking to the statue. Maybe you heard a story about an unfairness in the city. Maybe it's to the statue is the first thing that you begin to talk about some, something lost in your memory and how it makes you angry and how you wish you could remember. And you make promises to the statue that you will fight evil and that you will listen to your anger for anger speaks of wrongdoing. And the years pass and you train harder and harder than anybody, anybody. The laughter begins to subside till one day, you're not sure how long it's gone, nobody laughs at you anymore. The main reason is because you have any soldier that trains with you, that spars with you on their arse pretty damn quickly. Sword pointed to throat and the smirk on your face, well, it speaks for your power, for your control, for your discipline and for your righteousness. One day you are called in to speak with Lord Belladon, who informs you that it is time after years of training to go out into the world. At first you are shocked and inside a little bit scared You've come to so depend upon the routine of the soldier's life. To rely on this safety. These stone walls are more than just stone walls that surround you. They are stone walls that you've been able to put up around your heart. To protect you from whatever that thing that you can't remember happened to you, happened to you. And so your first fear is anxiety. Your first thought is anxiety as you are told that the time is right for you to venture beyond the walls of the town, to venture north through Old Town. And suddenly, instead of your day coming to you from orders and instruction, it is for you to find your own order, your own instruction. And incredibly wary, but putting up a bold face a stern, stony visage to hide your fear from the rest of the world and to cloak it instead with your anger, you leave the keep, you leave Fort Summerdust and head north. With a small pouch of gold, with a sword and some armour and some kit for the road, you figure a quick stop off in Old Town might be just the thing in order. And that's where your cascade 
of memory and emotion ends Danaya. And with that, whoosh, you find yourselves, both of you, back on the mountain. Shaken suddenly, but knowing yourself, Elowin, knowing yourself, Danaya, knowing who you are, knowing why you're here, knowing everything that you know, you realise exactly who you are, where you are, and why you're here. You must get to the top of this mountain. You must consult with this mysterious, legendary monk. You must. Otherwise, put all your faith in a wizard of questionable moral and his one-way magic solution. There is a stone with temporal abilities that will allow you to seemingly navigate the corridors of time. <coughs> that is all that you know. There is a path that stretches ahead of you. The mist clears somewhat and in the direction you stand you see far out to sea as this path winds ahead and then seems to wind all the way round the mountain. What would you like to do? <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna start walking up the path. Yeah, me too. I'm just gonna turn to Danaya and just. No. I mean, Ellen. <laughs> Are we. Do we see each other? No, yeah, you're right there. Sure. Oh, is what. Kilgar is not there. Oh, and they behind the gate? You cannot see Kilgar. Is anyone else here? Just the two of you. And somehow, in your hearts, you feel fine with the fact that Kilgar's not there. You can't explain it. You just, you just accept. He wasn't the only one that came with us. That's true. Should we get going then? Well, no one else. Yes, I think I think the challenges ha have become begun begun now. Um, well, let's let's go then. Okay. Oh, we're gonna start walking. Up the All right, we start walking. It is a fresh day in this part of Karatur. The clear sky. Here and there you hear hawks circling above, crying out their cries. And as you walk along the path, you notice that this path may be five foot wide. You're able to walk side by side just about before it cascades into foliage to the right and climbs steeply to the left. You walk for several hours and it is a long, very gradually winding path round to your left. You realise that you are circling the easternmost edge of this mountain and it is long and it goes on and on and on. An hour passes two hours, three, and it is quiet, very quiet. I'd like a uh, perception check from you both, please. Okay. <clears throat> oh, nice. Perception. <laughs> I'm not used to a character sheet. Um, 24. <coughs> uh, 23. <clears throat> You, you think you're being followed? Oh. 
Here and there, as you look around and look back, you see flashes of white that quickly become concealed behind bamboo foliage and other various vegetation either side of the path. But you see flashes of white nonetheless. Is there anything you'd like to do? I'm gonna draw Did my you? sword. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And you're drawing um, Celeste? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, can I roll my portents for the day? I think sure, they've already been rolled. Well, just roll again. It for, looks like they've been rolling again anyway. Whoa, 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 whoa. For, for fun. It's in pencil. Oh, wait, no, that's a rubber. Just roll again. Okay. Okay. you draw your sword are you doing anything um no i'm not going to do anything okay you continue to walk yes all right the day presses on um Danae, will you go ahead and roll a d12 for me please d12 five okay good good to know the day presses on i assume you stop for some light refreshment at some point during the day refreshment have you like have you seen? Yeah, some something's definitely following <laughs> us. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'll keep my sword out just in case. All right, <laughs> you continuing on the path? Yes. Yeah. You continue on the path, walking for hour after hour, barely gaining any altitude as you go up this mountain. For such a large mountain to have a path that uh, goes around the circumference of it all the way to the top would be dozens of miles dozens and dozens and dozens if not a hundred miles or more to get to the very top you're not sure how many miles you've done but as the sun begins to set that day behind you very quickly putting shadow across the mountain you guess that maybe you've laid down 12 15 miles surely Elwyn why don't we just go up the mountain, you know, just up the slope. We don't need to go around it. Up we it. can go off the path. Yes. Um, can I look up? Is it like off the path? Is it just bamboo? Is it just thick bamboo? It's a mixture of vegetation here. I mean, if as you look all the way up the mountain, obviously as it gets higher up, it's like Kilimanjaro. It okay. gets almost rocky and moon-like in terms. It's a very tall mountain. But yeah, the vegetation is mainly around the base of the mountain, for sure. I mean, we could... I have a carpet. Yeah, uh, you could just... You, I've seen you walk on walls before. Um, you could just walk up. <laughs> yeah, what about you? Uh, I will summon um, Apollo. Okay. <laughs> wait, is Apollo already summoned? We had. Oh, wait, no, I you, think you dismissed it. You dismissed well, it. I got off of him and then we went through the gate, but I'm pretty sure he disappeared yeah, after Yeah, I think you dismissed him before we went to the gate. Okay. To be honest. So, I'm going to try and summon Apollo. Okay. Uh, as we lay down because it's. Dark. So, you're going to do that in the evening so he's already yeah. there and with you. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. You take the time to, well, how does Apollo come? How do you do it? Maybe you how can describe what happens. Okay, so, I mean, you'll sit down and you'll probably draw or, like, 
create glowing sigils all around you. And then you'll stand up, step out of it, and he will walk through the circle on the ground. Nice. Okay. Wow. As you do so, the sigils relating to Palladius glow with this bright, starlit, um, golden shine. And then, as normally happens, a rift is created. And as Apollo normally flies through, it's like he's galloping from far away into the space occupied by the circle, the glyph circle. Only this time, the rift opens and a giant white paw steps through. Enormous, furred, white paw with black stripes down it. Mm. <laughs> and coming through the, this kind of celestial portal, instead steps an enormous, muscled, white tiger. And just curls up in the sigils. I didn't mean to do that. Oh, I don't know how that. I've never seen that. That doesn't before. normally happen. Uh, and it, are you okay? Hello, Kitty. <laughs> and I go over <laughs> and kind of just like. As you go to touch it, and it flashes with surprisingly intelligent eyes. For the creature it Are represents. Are you being a hostile creature? That thing is under my control. Can't you like talk to it? Do a spin. I do not spin for those undertaking the trials. <laughs> who are who are you? You may simply call me the guardian. Did what's, what's the fourth the level spell? What's the fourth level spell slot consumed? No. Oh, okay, nice. <laughs> you got okay. Well, uh, can we not? Do we have to take the path around the mountains? Does this mean? If you wish to succeed at the trials, you must walk the path. Okay. Well. This thing is enormous. Its head maybe three feet across, massive glistening teeth. It is beautiful and formidable. It lies in front of you, looking at you both calmly like prey, <laughs> backwards and forwards, looking at you both. But there is a kindliness deep within its eyes as it looks at you. Okay, okay. we'll just stay on the path then? Yes. Um... Three trials lay before you. These trials will test your mind, your body, and your spirit. You must pass all three for entrance to be granted. You may ask me one question. What do we want to ask it? Each. I mean, you're the smart one, so... Uh, I'll go first. <laughs> How do we pass the first trial? <laughs> <laughs> I 
mortals think upwards and downwards. Sometimes you must think sideways. Such is the spirit and endurance of the ninja. The ability to think sideways. Final question. How do we pass the second trial? <laughs> I get two clues. The second trial. You will pass through precision, power, guile, and everything that has gotten you here so far. Good luck, mortals. I will be watching. The tiger just seems to slowly evaporate into a golden glitter that floats away in the rapidly setting sun. So can you not like summon anything? Um, you can do whatever you like. If you want to pass the trials, you'll stick to the path. That's what was said. That was what was said, so. Okay, well, uh. I guess we'll just. What's the, what's the what time of day is it? You can. Setting sun. You. It's getting you, towards you evening. You've been walking you all day. You can do the exact time with your. You just know it. Yeah. You've been walking all day. Okay, I'm gonna cast. Magnificent Mansion! <laughs> to sleep in. Really? I mean, I can cast. Do we want to sleep out? Uh, I think we should just keep going through the through the night. Okay, do you want to do that? Okay, well, yes. Uh, we'll Wait, do I have all my spell slots? You haven't taken a long rest yet, have you? So I've got the same as when he was. Yeah. I mean, like I don't have any. I don't have a lot of. I have a lot of spell slots. <laughs> we can keep going. Okay. What about um, you? I'm fine. That didn't you don't want to take a long rest? I kind of want to take... What about hit points? Oh, I need to replenish hit points. Well, let's do Lehman's Okay, I'm going to cast Lehman's Tiny Heart. On the path? No. Well, I'll cast it just on the side of the path. No, we have to stay on the path. Wait, do we? Yeah. He said stick to the path. Okay, I'm going to cast it on the path. Okay. So you set your camp right on the pathway. At points it verges out into like 10 feet wide and sometimes it becomes narrower even to the point where you have to go single file, but for the most part, um, you find an area that is 10 foot roughly in diameter, and you cast Lehman's tiny hut, within which you can, you know, the temperature is nice, and you're able to find, uh, are you going for, a, are you bedding down for a long rest? Yeah, yes. eight hours. All right, you take a long rest. I don't know what level Lehman's tiny hut is. Third is, but you got all your spell source back, so you don't need to really mark it up. Oh, You're woken by the breeze that accompanies the the disappearance of the dome. Eight hours having passed, an early, early morning that it is. The sun rising uh, to the east of you, across the ocean, reflected like a burning ember in the waters as it rises into the sun, into the sky, excuse me. 
Um, what are you doing? Let's keep walking. Let's, let's keep walking. Um, I'm going to sit on my carpet and float on the path. I need to prepare my spells. You sit on your carpet anyway. Yeah, prepare your spells. Yeah. Uh, 23 spells to prepare. Okay. Take okay. them. Me? No. I don't have 23 spells. No, no. You've got as many as you have slots. So take the time to prepare them. 15. 15. Okay. Wait, 23, did you say? Yeah. Well, it should say them. Oh, yeah. yeah. 23. Okay. Okay, give me a second. Oh, sorry, 24, actually, now. Okay. Okay, got it. All right. Yeah. Good. Look, I wore around glasses for <laughs> And what are you doing? You continuing along yeah. the path? Yeah. I'm sitting on my carpet, floating along the path. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Um, as you. As you get on your magic carpet. And begin to go along. Make a um, constitution saving throw. Okay. <laughs> oh no, hang on. Uh, 16. 16. Okay. Eight. Eight. Okay. Eight. A wave of intense nausea <laughs> and dizziness, and your vision becomes broken 
and then suddenly you feel yourself being tumbled, tumbled over and over and over and over again. Danae, you see Elowin roll up his carpet, it floating in the air, and he get on it, and as soon as he gets on it, he starts to like, like his vision doesn't, he doesn't, it's almost like he looks like when you disintegrate somebody, he doesn't look quite there, then he vanishes from next to you. You find yourself dumped out, dust going everywhere, the bronze gates high over you. I grab the carpet and I wrap it up and just... No, the carpet's gone. What? You're dumped with the carpet back at the bronze gates. Okay. I take out the... A day of travel behind. The, the little rock thing. Oh, yeah. Elowin? Yes? Where are you? I, uh... I'm at the gates. Are oh, you absolute... Okay. I don't... I, the, the tiger guy didn't say we can use magic items can't use magic items. Um, well, I, I assume so. I was just trying to sell my carpet. I always sell my carpet. Uh, I'm like a day behind you now. Uh, well, let me try and... Well, I'm just gonna... I feel like every magic is unpredictable. Like, you tried to summon Apollo, you summoned a tiger. I tried to sit on the carpet, I fell down the mountain. Well, should I... Should I come back to join you? I mean, you you can or you can wait there for me. I'm not waiting here. Okay, well then why don't we meet in the middle? No, I'm not, I'm not. Uh... No, like you walk and I walk and then we meet and then we walk. <laughs> How about we just keep going and then you tell me, you stay on the line and <laughs> you tell me if anything happens. What's the range of that? It's like a thousand feet. Oh no, you can't hit speed to each other. What? Okay, I'm past sending. This is um, <laughs> right. Take off the third level spell slot then, and you've got 25 words. I'm at the gates. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you can wait. You can meet me. Or you can keep going, going. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start again. <sighs> you asshole. <laughs> you shouldn't have used that carpet. I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> Tell me if anything happens. Idiot. <laughs> Why that mean to you? <laughs> and I'm just gonna keep going. I'll just go. You're gonna start again? Yeah. Okay. You're just travelling on foot normal speed? Yeah. Okay, fine. Um, alright, you start down the path that you did this time yesterday. Again. It's like snakes and ladders. Very confused. Yeah, you just got chucked down a snake. That's for yeah. sure. Um wrong intelligence check. Okay. Oh, come on! Uh, what's my dice? Switch dice. That's why Nine. Okay, good to know. I told you not to use that dice. Uh, Danaea. Several hours of walking pass as the... As you walk the path um, up until noon, the sun, bright and high above you, starts to make you sweat somewhat. 
especially in your full armor, although your armor is, is magically lighter, you still, it's a hot and humid day. And it's very, very bright. And as the afternoon passes, the path widens somewhat until here and there, until it's maybe 30, 40, 50 feet wide, until here and there, you notice big blocks of some ancient structure, maybe a column from an old archway that would have been here, or you're not quite sure, but here and there, great ruined blocks, chunks of stone have fallen. And as you navigate this area for several miles, there's this, there's this ruins, stone and stuff, you come round a bend from getting around this large carved granite looking stone and off some distance ahead shining brighter than the noonday sun sitting upon one of these blocks is a very familiar formidable foreboding celestial creature glint sits upon the block bow in hand enormous longbow maybe 10 foot long in hand and he looks to be tying the strings off tighter on this bow as if it needed it <laughs> 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 he is some. He is some sixty feet away from you. Ah. I was wondering how long it would take you to get here. I'm not going to respond. He stands up, puts the bow, fixes it to his back. Beaten iron chest plate, still glowing with celestial light tousled brown hair shot through with white on either side kindly face if not with piercing knowing eyes walks towards you gets up and walks over towards you um i'm just gonna like kind of just i have come for the sword that is all i want you will give it to me I'm still not going to respond. I'm just going to stand there looking at him. Also, your friend. We will maybe wait for him since he will be turning the sword back to my love. Can I do... Do whatever you like. Can I... Doing like an arcana check to see if this is actually him or anything. Sure, go ahead. Oh, uh, 22. Certainly freaking seems it. Oh, shit. <laughs> you've seen illusions. I mean, you've seen the illusions of Mirage Arcana out in the, on the island where the, do you remember? The very forestry wasn't real. And I mean, if this is an illusion, it's a good one. Also, to the best of your understanding, an illusion, how would an illusion know some of the things? That's what you immediately say with your, what, 14 intelligence? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can I do detect evil and good? 
where I can, I'm just gonna, can I cast that? So, yeah, sure, can you read that out to me? Uh, you know if there's an aberration, fiend, fey, celestial, elemental, or undead within 30 feet of you. This is absolutely a celestial standing before you. Enormous, standing maybe 14 feet high. You are barely up to above his knee as he stands looking down at you. He gets down on one knee and looks at you. I know this may be hard for you to fathom, but your God is not so godly. And your sword is mine. Now I would like for you to just hand it over. But if a fight, as you've always been a fighter, Danaea, if it's a fight you want, then I can give you that. What would you like to do? I'm gonna say, how are you even here? And you don't seem to be very fake. I have the ability to teleport, just as your friend does. And as a celestial, there is nothing preventing me from making this an apt place to come and meet you, especially since you have avoided me every opportunity since now. Here we are. It takes more than just the middle of a minor deity like Quan to keep a celestial of my considerable power from entering. So here we are. And you have until, let's say until the sun sets, for you to get used to this fact. I am here, I am here for the sword. You will give it to me, and that is that. Get used to these facts. You're just one of the trials, you're not. You're not Glint. Well, yeah, you are. I don't know what makes you think you will even have a chance of passing the trials of the Ninja Mountain. You're just a soldier. You're just a soldier. I'm a lot more than just a soldier. I'm a paladin of Palladius. <laughs> One that cannot even decide on an oath to take to her god. <laughs> barely, barely clinging on to paladin hood. I did you a favour in taking your powers. <laughs> he goes and sits down on another a huge piece of crumbled column. <clears throat> sits down on it. <laughs> spreading his wings out almost like he's stretching. But his arms don't stretch. How far away is he from me? I'd say I put him at about 30 feet away. Just sits down. 
sheathed an enormous glowing sword, puts it in the ground. So are we waiting here until your friend gets here? Is that how this goes? Well, uh, Is this the best that you have to say to me? That I'm a trial? That you really are a paladin? You know, in some parts of this world, you've already become legend. I don't think that's deserved. Now that I see the reality, still just a girl, just a girl, an angry little girl. What know you of justice? It looks like Elowin's here already, look, and I point, <laughs> I, I point down, the, down the hill thing. Uh, he looks off. Okay, I'm going to run down the path <laughs> that, that way. Like past up, him? Up the path, yeah. You go to, you go to run. Okay, great. Uh, roll initiative, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, it's 17. Like 17. Okay. Let me just change the music a little. A little. <laughs> I don't know why you don't do what Danao would do. Mm-hmm. I am Danao. <laughs> no. Oh shit. All right, you go to run past. Um, what did you roll initiative, please? 17. Gee, okay, I got 22. So, Glint gets to act, act first. Um, with that, Please seeing you suddenly make a dash for it, he's going to cast Blade Barrier directly across the path, expanding the entire length of the path, the entire width, excuse me, of the path. Um, suddenly, this massive, you hear it first like a distant and then as you're running in front of you this enormous wall of spinning whirring razors like it creates a little wind in your face, it cuts the wind do you want to run through it or do you want to stop at it? I'm gonna try and just run through it, directly through it okay please don't kill my character! I'm going to, I'm not going to kill my character <coughs> Wait, was that his turn? Uh, not completely, he's just cast, using his action to cast a spell. Wait me a second. Vertical wall of whirling razor sharp blades made of magical energy. Uh, make a straight wall up to 100 feet long, 20 feet high. So we're only going to do 50 feet long the width of the path at this point, 40 feet high and five foot thick. Um, okay, you walk, enter the walls area for the first time, make a dexterity saving throw. Okay, good. Um, 22. 23. Okay, give me a sec. 
looks like one has to be copied. Yes. Okay, spell save DC is 25, so unfortunately you fail. I only take half, right, because we're Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, can you read your armor of invulnerability to me? If it's please? magical damage, it'll... It, oh, okay, yeah. fine. Doesn't work? No, it just, yeah. Okay. It's only, it's resistant to not magical damage. And then I can become immune to normal magical damage. Yeah. 34 damage halved to 17 points of slashing damage as you run straight into this blade barrier wall. Oh, it's real. And do you want to stay in it? No, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna dash. I'm You're gonna, gonna keep going through it. Yeah, bonus action dash, and I'm just gonna. Okay, bear with me because it's it's it's. Mm, you used your movement to run, and he cast a blade barrier in front of you. So bam! So we'll pick up on the movement thing on your turn. Okay. Okay, he is going to. Um, okay, that's his go. He cast that spell, blade barrier. It's your go. You are amidst these, all of them, this golden, um, just maelstrom of spinning razors. What would you like to do? I'm gonna just bonus action dash, and I'm just gonna run. Run through it, yeah. Yeah. Keep okay, let me just see how this works. So it's five foot wide, uh, thick. Excuse me. So that's something. Okay, it's, it's difficult terrain, so it takes 10 feet of your movement to get through it. Mm -hmm. uh, and because it's now on your turn, make another deck save. Okay, not good. 17. Okay. 27, 32, 34. Another 17 points of slashing damage as you run through it. Uh, and then you take another 50, 60 feet of movement on the other side. What's your movement as Danae, 30? 30, yeah. Oh, okay, so 20 feet and then 30, yeah, 50 feet and you carry on running for 50 feet thereafter. Um, and that's your, your bonus action dash. What's your action? Action, I'm gonna do, uh, what can I do? <laughs> what can I do, what can I do as Danae? Um, um, yes, but, yeah. I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna lay on hands. Um, and I'm gonna heal myself. You need uh, your paladin ability? Yeah, I'm gonna heal myself 21, uh, 21 hit points. 21? No, just 20, I think. 20? Yeah. Okay, great. So it's five hit points per level, right? Yeah. Great. Okay. So you can heal 95, basically. Wow. I've got <coughs> 75. Okay, end of your turn. He's going to use a legend. Glenn's going to use a legendary action to do. Firstly, he's going to fly up. He can fly at 150. So incredibly quickly, he swoops round to in front of you. Let's put this on the board so we have a sense of dimensions. 
In a little while, I'll ask you what you would like to do. Not knowing that any of this is happening, of course. Oh, damn it. His thing is broken. No! Mm. Um, there's a little bit of white tack just there somewhere. Could you get up? You'll have to get up to find it. It's a little splat of it somewhere. No, no, no. There's a little splodge of it somewhere there. Do you see it? No. Okay, I'll get it. I'll get it. Take a seat. Oh. Um... Okay. So unimaginably quickly, they've got a flying speed of 150. He flies round to land in front of you. Let's put him hang on. I turn 15, 20, 25, 30, 35. Let's call that the width of the path. This line could be the blade barrier. Or we'll say this is the blade barrier. So you've gone 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. So we'll put you there, just for rough sake. And then for positioning, he lands 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. He lands here in all his formidable size. And he's going to use his blinding gaze. Uh, please make a constitution saving throw. This guy is so annoying. Okay, um, four. <laughs> okay, he lands before you and just goes, give me the sword. And it's, as he says this, his eyes light brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until they sear the entire environment around you and you are blinded. Okay. Um, that's his legendary action. It's now his, uh, his turn. He is going to... I thought he used Legendary Action to fly. No, that's just his movement on his go. Wait, so it was my go and then he moved and then he did... He moved and then did his Legendary Action. But then... Yeah. But he can't do both, right? No, he's done it, love. And now he's going to... Cast on you... Flame strike. Make a dexterity saving throw at disadvantage. Bro. This guy. 17. 17. Unfortunately, that, that doesn't work. So, you still manage to use your roguish abilities to dive away as all around you comes radiant and literal fire everywhere. Suddenly, the heat surrounding you and ah and you dive off in any direction that you feel you can um you take you suffer <laughs> um okay 46 fire damage this will all be hard so uh, 11 five points of fire damage Okay. And eight, Twelve points of radiant, halved and then halved again, so three points of radiant damage from the flame strike. So, okay. 
all around you. You dive off and roll. You manage to avoid the worst of it. Okay. Um, meanwhile, are you just walking? Yeah. <laughs> okay, you'll probably you'll miss out on this, but all right. <laughs> um, I'm gonna send things to Nea. Okay, what are you gonna say? Hey! I mean, no, hey! <laughs> How's it going? Um, let me know how far you get. I'm trying to catch up. Keep me updated. <laughs> Glenn is here and he wants his sword. Should we just give it to him? I mean, it's not even ours and he'll stop bothering our, us. <laughs> I can't say what Denea... Uh, uh, I can't send it again. Yeah, but you know Denea. She's been your friend for all these years. But she hasn't said this to him. Okay. I mean, it's your sort. I mean, I mean. Hang on. Glynn, are you sure it's not part of the trial? Um. Just. (laughs) What are you saying? I'm (laughs) thinking. He doesn't know this. Oh, okay. Um, that's it. Okay, I'll just... Remember, you know everything that Danae's been through in all these games. That's yeah. you. You know everything she's okay, been through. Okay, I will through. tell you what she was thinking last time she was in the Celestial Realm. She was planning on giving the sword back because Celeste said that she wanted to be with her love again. And she, don't, she only wanted to give Celeste back because Celeste wanted to be with him. Not because he wanted to, because he's an arsehole. That, that's because Celeste wanted, so she was planning on doing that. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to... Look at Celeste. This is in the middle of combat, eyes. so you're in you're in the middle of a combat situation at the moment. Is it my go? Yeah. Okay. I'm just gonna aim where I think he is, and I'm just gonna yeet the sword at him. You're gonna draw the sword and just throw it at him. Yeah. Make an attack roll. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's an outdated thing, by the way. I don't understand what it is. Then. You should have been using. It. It's in this one. Just tell him the modifier. Just say plus whatever. Everything's in here. I don't know what the modifier. Look there. Okay. Twenty-six to hit. Twenty-six. It hits. Okay. What's the Point da- first. What's the damage on this thing? Um. Okay. Roll D eight because you're D- throwing it. D eight. Sure. Um. For ten. Ten uh, damage. <laughs> Nice. It will also do normal radiant. Oh, normal radiant. Seven. Normal radiant. Okay, halved to three. Okay. Anything else? Any other type of damage added to that, Charlotte? No. Alright. Unless you did divine spine. <laughs> Alright. You get the sword and then like this and it sticks a little bit into him and then clung clung clatters to the floor. Um and then I'm gonna make a, a saving throw against the blindness. Uh, Constitution? Yes. 17. Okay, and you, after you throw the sword, 
your eyes, you've still got spots on your eyes, but you start to come around and you see it. As the flames lift away that have just burnt you, and he just stops and looks down at the sword. I'm gonna just duck behind it like one of the granite block things. Are they still here on the path? Um, you can use your movement to get behind the block if you'd like yeah, to I'm do just that. Get behind one and just stay there. Okay. Um, you see Glint fall to his knees. It shakes the ground. This sword, like to to him, like a like a dagger in front of him on the floor. And he just looks at it, just stares at it, his golden eyes shining brightly. And he just kneels there looking at it, his hands in the dirt, his whole skin bright, white and shining, almost opalescent as you look upon him. His wings go up high behind him and almost seem to cloak, almost like protection around the the radius of the sword's light. And he shudders slightly as he looks down at it. Celeste. Celeste, I cannot touch you. Puts his hands around it. Come forth, my darling. Come forth, I will it. I would give all my power if you would just come forth. Nothing happens but his plea. Denea, come out. I'm gonna stand up from behind the thing. Remove the curse from her. I beg of you. I don't think you can cast remove curse. I've got it prepared. Okay, I'm just gonna cast remove curse. You come it. forward? Yeah. Okay. You come forward. You put your hands close, not touching, but close to the blade. All around you, this enormous, hulking, glowing figure, its wings acting like an almost a kind of like a, a domed-like hut around you as you utter the prayer to Palladius. The very God that bestowed the curse upon the sword, you now pray that he revoke it. What do you say? You two can figure it out together if you want to. Okay, good. What should I say? <laughs> okay, so you should say. Um, let me think. Okay, you think too. Um. Palladius, hear me, I beg of you. I do not know why this sword was cursed, but through my eyes, it does not seem 
that she was worthy of it. I ask of you to remove this curse, please. Make a persuasion check. Come roll high. <laughs> okay. Persuasion. Twenty one. feels like knocking on an empty door, on an empty door, with an empty building inside. That's what it feels like. It is quiet, not just in this world with this unbreathing, but very earnest, enormous angel around you close to you, but also on the inside, the answer to your prayer seems unheard, and the sword remains. Try again. You must try again. Why was the sword cursed in the first place? Was forbidden. I was forbidden from loving a fiend. A bridge between heaven and the hells would not have been tolerated. That choice to make for myself was not was taken from me. my love was not from the heavens or from Elysium or from the golden fields of Mount Celestia it was deemed unworthy I'm going to try again alright cross off the uh, slot what do you want to say? Palladius, how is that justice forbidding someone to love who they love? Worthiness does not just follow those in the light. It can reach people in from other places too. Please remove the sword. They do not deserve this separation. This is not justice. This is an injustice to separate them. Roll persuasion. Twenty-one again. Oh Same again. Nothing. I'm gonna do it again. Okay. She was beautiful, you know. You will see. Don't just mean beautiful to, to behold. I did not know there could be such beauty in 
in such a place of pain. Okay, what are the words you're going to say this time? Palladius, listen to me! As I trust you to bestow my powers to me, you must trust me and you must trust my judgement. And I believe that this curse should be removed, so please let me. Roll persuasion. <laughs> Twenty. I mean. Wow. Sometimes the dice are cruel. Yeah, it's be my hand. I'm gonna do it again. I've used all my. Thumb. Both of you roll d20 for me, please. Okay, here you go. Oh, wait, no, you can use that. I'll use my dice. Eight. Um, 13. 13. Okay, good. There is a motive of possibility, and in this instance, Danaya remains Danaya. But you are Danaya in this moment. You are here. And before you is Glint. And before you is the sword. And this enormous, risen paladin of old, who's done been so much of a force for good, who took your powers through deception in order to show you or maybe as an act of spite against your god or maybe to show you the shortfalls of your god you're not sure you haven't asked him but here he is before you and lying in the dust of the path the still glowing white sword that is celeste and you are here and this is you and your, your requests to remove the curse so far have not been heard. You're doing it again? Is this the final slot? Well, that, that was all my third level, so I'm going to have to do fourth level. Again. Okay. <coughs> I had to punish the dice. What would you like to say? he's done I want you to forgive him too please let me remove this curse you stand for justice right then stand for justice okay I don't know what my modifier is 16 okay Twenty-nine. Twenty-nine? Yeah. <coughs> what did you roll? Thirteen. The house isn't empty. You feel that there is somebody in and listening now. But still, 
the curse remains. But you feel you have the ear of a divinity of extraordinary power. And unlike most of your requests for magical aid, which are requests, now it's almost as if you are in some form of communion. What would you like to do? I'm gonna reach out and I'm gonna pick up Celeste. I'm gonna touch Celeste. And I'm gonna say, my hand in this world is your hand. As you should enact justice, I will do as you command me to. But listen to my request for and trust my judgment. As I trust you. And I'm gonna cast remove curse again. Alright, roll persuasion. Um, 27. If a god were ever considering something, then Palladius is considering this. But still his hand has stayed. You're not sure, you don't pick up emotion, you just pick up this rare moment where a god ponders a request of legendary status. What would you like to do? I'm going to cast remove chaos again. Okay, take off the slots. <clears throat> so this is the fifth time, I think, the sixth time. Yeah. This is a fifth level spell slot. How many slots have you got left? One. One more try. After this one? Yeah. What do you say? I'm going to just say it over and over again. They say you stand for justice, so stand for justice. They say you stand for justice, so stand for justice. I'm going to just keep saying that. Can you cast remove curse? Roll persuasion. Okay. 31. 31? Yeah. At some point as you're chanting, they say you stand for justice, stand for justice. Your voice becomes a whisper until it's almost inaudible. But then a deeper voice thrums and joins yours, a melodic voice, a beautiful voice, a voice that spontaneously brings tears because you weren't even aware that it was possible for a whisper to be harmonised with, but this voice harmonises with yours perfectly. And it is the voice of Glint, his harp-like voice now joining yours as you utter the request for the curse to be lifted. sword shines bright in your hand. 
stunningly bright, searingly bright, and it heats up somewhat in your hand as well. But then, in a moment, in a moment of total knowing, you know that the curse upon the sword is lifted. He retains the shape of a sword. It looks like a sword, feels like Celeste, behaves in every way, the manner in which you know Celeste. But it is still Celeste. It is still a sword. But there is no curse upon the sword. There is no divine curse upon it. Is it done? He puts forward his enormous hands to two. May I hold her? Thank you! She must be returned to her previous form. I'm so sorry. My anger and my passion in my judgment. I am so sorry. I forgive you. <coughs> he lays it down like it's a bit of precious gold on the floor. Do you think that Elowen could be evaded? Yes. Shall we wait for him? And Paladin of Palladius, one of his former foremost servants and direct messengers, as the day turns darker, light a campfire. Not that either, either of them need it. And even though the image of it is almost preposterous, this enormous, giant, angelic being, and the shining, red-headed paladin sit cross-legged from over from each other, in it is interesting that most silences when there are only two people feel awkward this one does not you sit there in quiet understanding of each other as the hours pass Elowin somewhere in all of this you are Elowin You've always been Elowin, that never ended, but you're Elowin, you're here. And as you hurry around the mountainside, in a sincere 
bid to catch up to your friend? Is there anything that you want to do in order to expedite your travel? Um, I'm, I can't. I'm, I'm just going to avoid doing spells. I know. I know what happened. I don't think they really work. Um, Make an intelligence check or arcana, your choice. Uh, twenty-one. Okay. If you were to take the words of the tiger literally, it simply seems that anything that seems to, should we say, cheat the path is punished with a restart. This simply means you can't do anything that speeds you up. Like, oh, I don't have any spells that speed me up, on. so it doesn't. doesn't. Okay. Should you just run? <laughs> yeah. You polymorph into something fast. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. I'll oh, sorry, I didn't mean to tell you what to do there. I'll just turn saying... into a uh, draft horse. A draft horse? Yeah. Alright, cool. Um, Alright, you. And you start to gallop, going at a much faster pace. It is some point early in the morning hours that you hear a distant galloping. And as night falls and the campfire persists and the area is bathed in the glow of not only your celestial light but the magnificent light of glint, around the corner comes a beautiful black horse with flowing white mane that gallops towards you and comes to a stand somewhere nearby and transforms back, reverts back to your friend. Elowen, Elowen, you both roll d20, please. Just straight roll. 12. 12. Huh, okay, cool. You retain as both of you, so you are Elowen and you are Danae. <laughs> and as you revert back to form, you see the most bonkers sight. Bonkers? And that is of Danae sat in seeming silence around a small campfire with a giant glowing angel seated nearby. Both of them looking relatively peaceful and calm and they both look up and glance at you as you arrive on the scene. Elwyn! <coughs> I got over as fast as I could. <laughs> we need your help. I, you need to explain some stuff. I don't understand what's happening here. I have removed the curse from Celeste. Great. We need your help, great wizard. Please. Okay. This is not Celeste's true form, as I think you are aware. She is a... a real creature with real form, with a soul. She soars and thinks and crafts and feels and has been stuck in the form of a sword. Can you imagine such torture? This has been her torture for millennia now. Please. What is her original form? You will see. 
do you have the arcane ability to more permanently transform a creature? Like true polymorph or dispel magic? Which one? I Dispelling will not work. I have done and attempted that through other mortals for many a years. But whatever your most powerful transmogrification spells are, I would appreciate it very much. Okay, I go over to the sword. If you don't have it prepared, you will have to take a long rest. Um, Always prepare all your night level spells. It's prepared. Okay. Which one? True polymorph mm-hmm. or shape change? Shape change requires a lot of components. So true polymorph. Yeah, true polymorph. Well, what's the difference? I don't. Can't remember. Well, read up, guys. This is important. Well, like, yeah, I know what true polymorph is. I'll find shape change. Shape change is. Um, Oh, I think in Shape Change you can alter your form throughout the spell. And then True Polymorph. So... Um, shape changes creature. And it's the same as the the. Um, this is the one. It's true polymorph, isn't it? Yeah. So I think throughout true polymorph you can change what what you what you are, but and then the other one is you can turn into an object. So true polymorph is the one. And. All of the none of the components cost any money, so you can do it using your staff if you so yeah. choose. Do you have true polymorph prepared? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Would you like to do it? Yes. And you're going to concentrate for the duration? Mm-hmm. So that it becomes perm- permanent? Yes. Uh, object into creature. You can turn an object into any kind of creature as long as the creature's size is no larger than the object size and the creature's change rating is nine or lower. Okay. He says... Let me show you who she is. He puts his hand towards you. May I? Okay. Puts his hand on your head. (laughs) You get a flash of a white-skinned, elven-looking maiden. Perfectly milky white hair. Totally ivory skin with horns on her head and a slight more where a normal nose and mouth would be a slight more instead such as that of a of a hound or something like that you know comes forward slightly with an almost like a cat-like nose a tail protrudes from her lower back into a perfect little point and tiny wings <laughs> leathery bat-like wings are folded on her on her back other than that she has all the appearance of a very 
um, slight-looking elven maiden. Have I heard or seen about this thing before? Make a history check. Fifteen. Okay, gonna... But you get the image clearly. And it's almost like he's imparting a bit of his memory to you. And it is old. And you feel as you as you sense this, that you are seeing something that maybe this is a species that no longer exists. It is old. I'm going to go over to the sword. And I'm going to cast Tree Polymorph on it and I'm going to turn it into that thing. Okay. Make, that an, thing. make an arcana check, please. 18. Wait, no, more than that. Uh, 21. So. 21, okay. You lay down and you start tracing out the runes and muttering the words, encompassing the sword, bringing your other hand in. You put the staff down now and brought the, put it across your, your lap as you start to weave your hands into these extraordinary shapes. I don't think you've ever cast true polymorph, have you? Oh, I've cast it a lot of times. True polymorph? I don't think you have. I have. I've turned into an uh, ancient black dragon. He's just never focused on it for mm. the, the long, like really long. Okay. To make it permanent. He hasn't done that before. So you'll need to concentrate for the full hour for yeah. it to become permanent. Um, I'm going to say, for the sakes of narrative, that it takes an hour to cast it in this form. And where you are here on the thing, you're muttering, and for that hour, the two of you stay rooted to the spot, wondering what will occur. You have no image of what your sword looks like. I've seen, I think I've, I've seen like the outline of her once or something. Well, perhaps, but not seen her in her yeah. truest form. <laughs> the hour goes by, beads of sweat collect upon your white skin and roll down your head and at no point are you able to move your hand away to wipe it. So this sheen of sweat forms on your lips. <laughs> I don't want to break your concentration. Yeah, no, at some like, points you do. You, okay. you gently dab his head as he just continues to, to cast. Until finally, after the hour has passed and you say the last few sealing words of the incantation, a gentle light starts to come from the sword that becomes brighter and brighter and brighter until you all have to avert your vision. And it expands. It fills an area roughly humanoid-sized, and then the brightness diminishes somewhat. And there, huddled on the ground, in the fetal position, tail wrapped around her, wings wrapped around her, like a new bird coming from a shell, like its wings have been there to protect itself. Head in, white hair matted to its body, and small white horns coming off, pointed white ears, oh, so cute. lies the body of Celeste. The light diminishes as she remains. Glint just stands up, looks down. This is a truly sacred moment which my faith will never be shaken. My love. My love awaken. We are reunited. 
that her small, delicate little eyes flutter and flicker open. around like a newborn chick. Her delicate feline type maw licking her lips. I did not have a heart until now. And there, there doth be my first breath. sharp. Nay, not sharp no more. She collapses into your arms like this, just collapses and starts to shudder in sobs. I'm going to take off my cloak and like wrap it around her. Your red cloak? Yes. You wrap your red, blood red cloak around her perfectly white skin. Glint crouches down next to you and just puts a hand on her glowing hand. After many minutes pass, she looks up at you, tear-streaked, glittering tear-streaked face, and then looks up into Glint's face. I know you. If I were a sword for a hundred more millennia, I would know you. And he's just nodding and glittering, shining tears fall from his face onto you and onto the ground around. He puts a hand on your, on your back, looks to you and says, thank you. Truly thank you. Many hours pass with not much being said at which point Celeste manages to be sitting up. She takes, takes the cloak off of her shoulders, seemingly lacking any modesty about her nakedness as she just sits there. And you notice at that, that there are portions of her body that seem to be almost covered in a, in a uniquely fine fur, short and impossibly soft, like those um, cushions you sometimes see at the shops, you know, that are made with, um, it's not natural fur, you know, like yeah. the faith fur. It's almost like you almost can't feel it, but it's very dense and packed, and it seems to be around most of her torso. You notice her feet have long, curled talons on the ends of them. The same with her fingers. There is a sense of the elven about her, the feline, and also with your paladin senses, this is a fiend. Where are we? Where are we? How did we come to be here? Um, we're on the Ninja Mountain in Garata. How much do you remember? Sword does not think as I think now. 
sort things differently. So confusing. Everything is in straight lines. Everything is either cut or uncut. It will take some time for me to remember how to live as I was again. Of course it will, my love. Come. Let us stay upon the prime material for a while. Here where the wind blows and everything is real. Yes. Yes. She looks up at him and reaches up at him with her thin arms and he collects her like a like a precious like young baby collects her into his arms and hugs her close to him. I think it is time that I go. I thank you. Beyond what I ever thought was possible, I thank you. I do not know. I should know, but I do not know how you beseeched Palladius to hear you. But I hear him, and he calls to me. And we must go, for certain promises must be made. take the evening here on the prime material with my love and then my darling we must return to Mount Celestia and answer for certain things farewell heroes for today you freed us all to Well, and with that, a gate opens nearby from celestial essence, and he steps through. <laughs>